And Car Con Carne is presented by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. I'm James Van Ossel, and it's winter in Chicago. You need to be driving something that is safe, and there is nothing safer than the Mazda CX-9. I've been driving this thing for the past few months, and not only do I feel safe, I love the safety features, in fact, but I feel luxurious when I'm driving this car. It is so comfortable, so easy to drive. I take it downtown. I, I take it everywhere. I take it grocery shopping. Uh, I just, I love this car. Take a test drive yourself. 1015 Chicago Avenue, the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston. My guest this week, drummer extraordinaire, Matt Walker. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van Carcon Carne on Halstead. We're in Boys Town tonight. That's Matt Walker, peerless drummer. Matt Walker in my front seat. That's James Van Osdell. It's true. And uh, Carcon Carne presented by the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. We got food from the Chicago Diner. Tonight. We did. We did, yeah. So we're going to eat the food. We're going to talk about your storied musical career. Are you ready for this? Am I ready for this? Yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready for this. Okay. All right, so I want to thank Chicago Diner. They loaded us, loaded us up with food. Chicago Diner, meat-free since 83. Like, when I started as a vegetarian many, many years ago, uh, this was the first place I went to. Yeah. Like, this was the go-to. And they're really good about bringing people in to vegetarian cuisine. I think the first thing I ever had here was the Reuben. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, that one's famous. That, that one's totally famous. Yeah, yeah. And, in fact, when we ordered, I didn't want to get that because I thought that was too, too obvious. Oh, I thought you were going to say too messy. Well... All bets are off in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but you got sliders, right? Well, yeah, because they, it gives you a chance to try the three different burger options. Right. So the sliders, looking at the uh, Chicago Diner menu. Yeah. It's an appetizer, right? Yeah. I guess. It's somewhere over. It's three different types of burgers. Right, right. And, and to I, be honest, I don't I don't remember what the names are. You'll have to do the... Um, I may not find it right. In the analysis. But I'll tell you what I got. I got the Soul Bowl. Uh, the Soul Bowl, grilled tempest strips or blackened or scrambled tofu, uh, quinoa, flash greens, mashed sweet potato, black beans, and chimichurri, which I'm totally pumped to try. That sounds good. And you got waffle fries, too. Oh, yeah. Always have to get the fries. Always have to get the fries. It's a real issue with me. Oh, the sliders. And look at this. Here's how great the Chicago Diner is. They put a smiley face on your order. Let's see. Uh-huh. I think they just did that for us, though. They may have. Yeah. Right, you want to show off your uh, sliders to the... Is that what we do? Yeah, show it off. I can't say that I've ever shown off a slider of any kind. Well, you've done so much. I'm excited that we're crossing this bridge together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do you've it together. You've accomplished so much, Matt Walker. Uh, this is... um. Here, show it show right there. All right. It's messy, but I guess it's supposed to be. It looks delicious. I mean, someone... That, that's substantial for a slider. Here's my soul bowl. This is heavy. This, right. is, this is going to be a dense amount of food here. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Look at that. That's the tempa, and that's blackened. Can you smell it? I smell everything. And oh. your car is going to smell everything for some time. It, it always does. Oh, yeah. this looks so good. Chicago <laughs> Diner, vegetarian food. So, Matt Walker, yeah. I want to cover so much with you, Matt Walker. Uh, let's start with Sons of the Silent Age. Sure. 
Saturday night, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, Saturday night, Sons of the Silent Age, the Bowie tribute with a whole bunch of Chicago A-listers, returns to Metro, playing what I think is one of Bowie's greatest albums of all time, Scary Monsters, mm-hmm. in its entirety. Like, my big three are Station to Station, Scary Monsters, and Diamond Dogs. Okay. We've done Station to Station I as well. I Yeah, yeah. So... Explain for those who don't know Sons of the Silent Age, named after a song off Heroes. Yeah. Uh, explain the history of the band. Um, okay, so it must have been about eight years ago now. Um, I had a song of mine, and I am not much of a singer, so usually I ask, the, uh, ask friends who are singers to come and sing my songs, to bring them to life, and I asked Chris Connolly to come over and, and give this song a whirl. And he did, and, and as he was doing it, it was obviously because it's in my head and it's in his voice. We're like, this is kind of Bowie-esque. And then we just started talking about how much fun it would be to do a night of, you know, just, just you know, now just Chris kind Connelly's, of cavalier. He's always drawn Bowie comparisons. He has, you know, and it, it's just the, the richness of his yeah. voice, in addition to the fact, of course, he's a, he's a huge fan as well. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of reasons for it. but um, And so we just started brainstorming this idea of of doing a night of Bowie songs. And it, it was not meant to be anything more than that. But then the first, um, so we decided to make our first show a benefit concert. We decided to do it at Metro. And by the time we got all the musicians on board, the, the band was a nine-piece band. Yeah. Uh, the benefit concert was for a really good um, organization called Pavlov Foundation. Um, um, supports pediatric cancer. Wait, was that the first? Was the first show the one with Shirley Manson? Right. So okay, then, so that, okay, that's the one I was at. Right. Like so, what became this just kind of like kind of, you know, what am I trying one to say? off? Fun yeah, little. yeah. It it just it got big fast, <laughs> uh, and and there were a lot of reasons that Shirley was also involved. She was also connected to the Pablo Foundation, and she and Chris go back to Edinburgh from early days. Sure. Their bands used to play together, so they were friends, and of course I've known her through Garbage and from time when I was in Pumpkins and Garbage just for years now. So it, it was quite an event. It was an amazing night, and it was so much fun, and it was so successful in, in raising funds for the charity. Just It was just, it was just incredible. So um, from then we just started doing it annually and, and choosing different... Um, benefactors to raise money for and I think this is our seventh year which is that's amazing it's kind of mind-blowing yeah um and we have a lot of different guests join us you know sure so uh, Kat O'Connor uh, who's watching the Facebook live says I've gone to every one of the benefit shows in Metro so excited for scary monsters oh that's nice to hear that is great to hear and when you're watching Sons of the Silent Age close your eyes and you are in that album you could tell you guys are fans oh, because this yeah. is this is a fan set list and when you're busting out things like station to station yeah you know these are these are we, we really like to go deep and it it's it's partially for us because we like to do it as as musicians that pick the more challenging material but we also know for the bowie fans who the deep you know they really appreciate and a, a lot of the songs we choose he never played live in fact mm-hmm. scary monsters is a gr- great example of that because there was no tour for the album I think he did some promotional dates mm-hmm. and some, did some TV appearances, but many of these songs were never played live, so it kind of it adds a little bit of you know importance to this show. I remember the Glass Spider tour. They busted out Up the Hill Backwards, I think, with Frampton. <sighs> wow. I saw I mean, I didn't see it, but I, I YouTubed that. 
just to see if he ever done that song live. And I don't think they even did the whole song, but and Frampton did the backup vocals, and it was kind of awesome. And they had the whole beginning with the with the um, abstract guitar and yes. the shut. Yeah, wow. I'm impressed. I'm a huge Bowie fan, so I mean, this, this speaks to me in every possible way, man. You'll probably out Bowie me, but I don't know if that's true. Maybe not when it comes to the drum parts. Perhaps not. <laughs> All right, so Matt Walker's history. We're going to go deep into it. We're going to keep recording this podcast. This is just a teaser, uh, an amuse bouche, if you will. You will. I will. An amuse bouche, uh, Matt Walker. We're going to keep recording this podcast, which will be available soon on carcoincarney.com. We're going to eat this amazing food from Chicago Diner. And what the podcast holds for you, uh, more talk about Sons of the Silent Age. And Matt's career, you've seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff. Through the Smashing Pumpkins, Morrissey, Filter, Cupcakes, Garbage. You worked with Adam Ant. I want to talk about that. Sort of. Sort of? I sort of did. I sort of want to hear that then. I'll sort of tell you. Fantastic. Uh, That's all sort of happening soon on Carcon Carne. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook Live, thank you for watching. Support Chicago Diner. Support our friends at the Autobahn Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. And most importantly for this episode... Go see Sons of the Silent Age Saturday night benefit show. The one other thing we didn't mention, Michael Shannon, General mm-hmm. Zod. <laughs> General Zod as Lou, Lou Reed. Reed. Yeah. Michael Shannon's doing a set of Lou yeah. Reed songs. Yeah. Do you know what he's going to play? I do. Is, is it like career spanning? I do because, well, okay, just one note on that. So in that first show we played, also, uh, Michael Shannon did a Lou Reed set before us. Um, because we've always had uh, support acts that kind of play into the whole Bowie sure. lore, craft work, you know, mm-hmm. thing or, or or whatever. And um, so he has done the Lou Reed set before, but this time we get to do it with him because he had his, his own band before. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So will it be, or is it strictly the glam period? Is it strictly like Transformer stuff? Are you going through New York or what are you doing? It touches on more than uh, more than just one thing, so... It's, it's varied. It's and I can t- say also that that it will be because we're going to do two sets. And I think mm-hmm. people should know that we'll we are going to do scary monsters in its entirety, and then have a little intermission, and then play a lengthy second set, and Michael will join us. I just want to hear Connolly yell to shut up. <laughs> at the end of It's No Game. Well, I've heard him yell, shut up, many times. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with It's No Game. God, that album, Fashion Fashion, uh, Ashes to Ashes, Scary Monsters, It's No Game, Up the Hill Backwards, uh, Scream Like a Baby. Oh, yeah. That's, that might be one of my favorites. Oh, my God. That we're doing. Or, you know, what was a real surprise is Because You're Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. S- solid album. All yeah. right, that's Saturday Night at Metro. If you're watching this on Facebook Live, go see that percussive force of nature, Matt Walker, <laughs> as part of the Sons he of the He might be Sons. there as well. I, I will be there. I told okay. you. Okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Why are you busting my balls, Matt Walker? That's what I do. I understand. All right. Thank you for watching on Facebook Live. We're going to eat some Chicago Diner food now. Bye. And as we transition from the Facebook Live to the actual audio podcast, it's worth reminding you that Carcone Carne is presented by the Autobarn Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. All right, so we had to hit pause. We had to really focus on eating our food. We did. Uh, the Black and Tempa as part of the Soul Bowl was so good. A little spicy. Uh, my temples are a little <laughs> little moist right now, but delicious. And I forgot to mention, we got these drinks, um, these orange... God, I, I brought a menu. I thought I had everything in front of me. Um, it's orange with, like... Pumpkin pie spice. Here, you can look for it while I, while I can explain it. 
Well, actually, I can't explain it. What I really was going to say is that I don't, I don't know that I've ever had anything that tasted like this before. No, it's totally unique, and I, of course, that's the one page I didn't print. Um, but they, they have all their own drink creations that are super amazing. The thing is, everything is great here. I love it. So thank you again to the Chicago Diner. Yeah. We, we, this was awesome. So, all right, Sons of the Silent Age, just in case someone's listening to this after Saturday the 12th, I'm assuming Sons of the Silent Age will rise again. Yes, we will. And the chance will exist once more. All right, so let's uh, let's traipse through your career a little bit. Uh, most recently, on tour with Morrissey. You're, tour, you're, recording. And now you're back home for? Uh, about another week. Seriously? Yeah. Like you're going to do the uh, yeah. Metro gig and you're gone again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah this, this worked out just perfectly. A lot of people, I think, came to know you back in the mid-90s when you took over for Jimmy Chamberlain and the Pumpkins. Right. Rough time for the band. You stepped in. Take me back to when you were given the uh, invite to okay. join the Pumpkins. Right. Um, so just before that occurred, uh, while I was playing with Filter, mm-hmm. and and Filter was the support act for Pumpkins in Europe for a couple of months, and and that was an incredible tour to, uh, on many levels, but. Particularly, uh, as in Filter, we were all big Pumpkin fans, and sure. and this was just when the they just took over the world at this time, mm-hmm. and we would play our set and we would play our asses off every night because we, well, we always hoped that they were watching or listening, and every now and then I looked to the side of the stage and there was Jimmy and Billy watching, you know, you know, it's like you know, the pressure's on. So That's cool. So we were playing really well. And then we would stay always after and watch the entire pumpkin set before driving to whatever next. Do bands do that a lot? Do, do they support each other like that? Mm. It's, it's kind of a leading question. Uh, I think it's just sometimes Depends. they do and sometimes they don't. Fair enough. You know. Um, but it's awesome that that was what was going on in the. Pumpkin there was a lot of camaraderie mm-hmm. on that tour. I have to say they were. Um, the Pumpkins were really welcoming to all of us as, as Filter as being a new band mm-hmm. and supportive and so that tour ended and, and Filter went on to open up for Ozzy mm-hmm. in the States Pumpkins came back to the States and it was just towards maybe a couple months after that that things happened and they were in need for a drummer and um, and their management did reach out to me because we had just been, you know, had a good relationship going. And it just had, it was the day after um, I got home from the filter tour was the audition. I had to audition. Oh my God. It wasn't like I just got the gig. Um, so, so did you have to learn the songs like overnight? Yeah. Well, uh, it was fortuitous because having just watched them mm-hmm. play live for two months. I knew their set really well. Now I didn't know the songs to begin with, but I, I had seen how they were playing them live. And even more than that, when we played, the end of the tour was at Wembley, and Jimmy invited me to play drums on 1979. Strange foreshadowing. I was going to say, that, that wouldn't be the last time that happened. <laughs> no, that was that was bizarre. Um, but, yeah, so there was an audition, and I did it, and I did get the gig. And, and just a week later, I was back out on tour on that, you know, with them. It's a whirlwind. And, and the, the opening show, there was like a warm-up show we did here at, at Metro. All road, all paths, it seemed to, it always starts at absolutely. Metro. Sometimes it ends at Metro. <laughs> was that the matinee show? The, 
Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember that show for a variety of reasons. The one I'm, the thing I remember most about it, I was outside. I was covering it for Q101. You know, the street on Clark Street was nuts. You know, people just couldn't wait. It was like a two o'clock show with Smashing Pumpkins, and Tim Meadows from SNL was outside. He okay. Wanted, he wanted to get into the show. Okay. And I, I guess I looked official. He certainly didn't know who I was, but he came up to me and said, "Hey, man, do you know how I can get into this show?" You're like, yeah, I can get you in. And I, I, I called Joe Shanahan, the owner of Metro, who led Tim Meadows, the ladies' man, into the pumpkin show. That's that's one of my strongest memories of that I, particular show. I think one of my memories of that show, it stands out that's funny, is that James introduced the band and just, I don't know where he got it. I think it just, you know, it's this strange sense of humor. But he dubbed me Matt Cosmo Walker. <laughs> And it stuck. That's amazing. <laughs> Luckily, I think it's faded since then. But Cosmo, it could have been a lot worse. I, I want to jump around a little bit. Oh yeah. Thinking of you playing those pumpkin songs and doing it overnight and watching the band, because I'm not a drummer, I, I don't have enough of a sense of this. What do you think are the differences between you and Chamberlain? Because well, it seems, yeah. from what I know about Chamberlain, you very much involved with jazz and yeah. has a different approach to things. You have your own approach. I'd say at the time, I mean, we were really different drummers. And I think one of the reasons that um, Billy asked me to do it was because I was different. And I think he wanted to try different musical styles and Mm -hmm. do different things, which, of course, the next record was a door. So it it made sense for him not to get somebody who sounded just like Jimmy, Um, which sometimes, you know, for me, sometimes it was really difficult to do things that were like songs that were like so closely written around his drumming style Mm -hmm. and then others I feel like were really you know easy for me to step into and do my own thing and through the years through it all I mean you've remained in the Smashing Pumpkins orbit you were there at the farewell show Mm -hmm. and you're still I mean you're involved remixes and we've we've stayed really close in fact um, after leaving Pumpkins I think we all became kind of better friends closer friends that makes sense yeah was Billy he, he has a reputation as being kind of a stern taskmaster as mm-hmm. a front man. Is mm-hmm. that accurate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get that. But he is, yeah. I, I appreciate that. I like that. You know, He has a very clear vision. He has a very... Well, he has a very clear vision. It's not always easy to know what that is, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, you know, but that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's go back to Filter. Yeah, um, we're, we're like going backward in the time machine. Uh, so Richard Patrick and Brian Lee King yeah. start this band. You were not on Short Bus. You came on as the touring drummer, right? Yeah, and essentially that's all I ever was, because I toured for Short Bus, and then and then before they did the next record, I left to to the Pumpkins. And you still talk to Brian, I'm assuming. Brian and I are still still close. I haven't talked to Rich in a long time. And I think Brian and Rich are talking again. Yeah, so I I've, I hear and I see things, and I'm I'm really excited to see what comes of that. So we'll keep going backwards in time here, Matt. Uh oh, I don't. How far back are you going to go? Well, let's go back to I mean, before you became Matt, the world-renowned Matt Walker, uh, the Chicago scene. I was talking yeah. about this. I interviewed uh, Alkaline Trio last week, and I talked about how the 1990s in Chicago were such a romanticized period mm-hmm. uh, from outsiders, from people who are in the scene. What do you remember most about kind of coming up, whether we're talking about tribal opera or whatever oh, you yeah. did in those early days? I, 
I loved that time. You know, I loved playing, and I played in a lot of different bands. Of course, Tribal Opera. You still do? Yeah, I still do, actually. Um, it's a habit I just can't seem to break. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I loved that era. It was really exciting. And I don't know if it was just exciting in our own little microcosm or if it was more than that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I had this conversation with um, peers of mine, you know, of who all look back and wonder is 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 there a scene in Chicago now that feels the way that did to us? I don't know how there could be. Oh, I don't. Know I think could. no, but maybe I'm just an old, you know. Well, it was the perfect, cynical, the perfect out storm. of touch. It was the perfect storm of everyone in the scene kind of coalescing. That sense of anything could happen, yes. and it did. Yeah. And there was that additional heightened sensitivity on a pop cultural level. Yeah, it felt that way moving forward okay. I, I'm trying to capture your entire career this is a challenge Matt Walker so you left the pumpkins to focus full-time on your band cupcakes yeah signed a major label deal yeah DreamWorks that was yeah. 20 years ago good God 20 years ago uh, what did you learn from that experience because that, that was you kind of planting your flag and saying this is this is what I'm gonna do this is this is what my future um It was it was really difficult. It's really difficult to do your own band and make it in that kind of environment. I mean, every any anyone in a band already knows that, you know. Um, but I guess the years before that, I, I had the privilege of being in bands where the machinery was already in place. You know, obviously filter yeah. and pump to, to go from filter pumpkins and then go and have your, you know, be responsible for moving the whole thing forward. And, you know, in, a, in our case, I think that what made the band exciting and, and as good as it was, was the friction within the band. Sure. And many great bands have that, that thing. And it's just hard to keep that together when, when you have the outside pressures, all the outside pressures of, you know, the industry and expectations. And then you have so many internal pressures at the same time. It's just it's a challenge. Comparing those days to the present day, yeah. is it better? And you're you're at a different level, but for a beginning or even a more mid-level musician, is it a better environment for music now? Now that it's less of a label focus and more of a DIY. Yeah, I, I think overall, yeah, I think for people, for creative people who are want to make interesting music in whatever realm whatever Mm -hmm. genre there's avenues for them to do so and to find an audience and that's that didn't exist back then um but you know drawing uh um attention to the fact that it's 20 years since the cupcakes i would say it's a possibility that something happens for the 20th anniversary yeah i would say that it's in it's being discussed. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be there for that. It's early, you know. It's 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 a little. It's about a year away, so that's very cool. Yeah, I hope this happens. It's something we're talking about. So, Time and age and distance. Well, so, because because Preston and I are still very close. Well, all of us. Well, I'm really close with all of them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Preston and I talk all the time, and obviously, my brother. You know, Solomon, who's playing... Who's playing on the 12th right. with Sons of the Silent Age. Yeah. Someone needs to draw up a... What would you call it? It's not a schematic. I don't, um, know, I don't know, but we're, we're, we are reaching a point where you are the Kevin Bacon of rock and roll. 
Is that a good thing? Sure it is. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about... I, I feel like you're almost like a rock and roll shark. You know, sharks need to keep swimming to stay alive. You need to keep drumming to stay alive. You're, you're always <laughs> doing stuff. I mean, it is hard to keep track of you. Uh, you filled in for Butch Vig on yeah. multiple occasions yeah. in garbage. Yeah. Uh, is that just because he was busy producing or uh, there was a few different reasons for it um, some of them were health related okay um, and uh, and then another time um, he actually had asked me to drum uh, in the studio he wanted to focus more on the production but being the producer uh, so that was a real trip to be drumming with Butch Vig yeah. as a producer um, but it was great that was for Bleed Like Me um, so yeah I am I, I guess you could, you know, use the shark analogy, but sometimes I think it's even it's darker because you know, I came into the the pumpkins under some pretty dark circumstances, yeah. and then same you know with garbage because he he was having health problems and I had to come in and, and I'm just wondering you know like should my drumming card have like the Grim Reaper on it you <laughs> Don't know Don't say that <laughs> Don't say that dude I, I, So we talked I, I teased Adamant uh, Did you just work remotely at a yeah, project with it him? It was remote um, it, I, I did a I did a track with Boz Borer from Morrissey mm -hmm. who has worked with Adam over the years and and this track we worked on Adam wrote to and made the, made the made the title track to maybe his last record Marrying the Gunner's Daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that was such a thrill because I'm a huge Adamant fan. I just started over the past year and a half collecting records again. I Back in the day, I used to have a massive record library. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, back in the mid-90s, they just stopped making them. Yeah. Like, CDs were it. And I, right, I had, right. you know, walls of CDs. I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And I donated all my records to the ALS Mammoth Music Mart. Gave them all away. Yes. Fast forward to 2019, and I'm trying to buy all those records back. And the reason why I bring this up, yeah. uh, just last week at Half Price Books in Niles, Illinois, I got a copy of Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants for $7.99, and I was very excited. Did you enjoy it? I love that album. Prince Charming, Stand and Deliver? He's he's a genius. He is. If I, In fact, if I weren't doing a, a Bowie tribute, I would be trying to do an Adam Ant tribute. And... I, one of the few truly distinct guitar sounds in music is Marco Peroni. Oh, he's he's incredible. But there are so many elements. I mean, we could do a whole podcast mm -hmm. on why I think Adamant is incredible. But yeah, the guitar sound or the use of the horns versus mm -hmm. the tribal drumming. Yes, and like, yes. It's just all these disparate elements that he he brought together, and it's just. I, I don't know that it's. I don't know that the extent of what I think is his genius is appreciated. You know, people like, oh yeah, I like Adam. I like Adam. You know, whatever. Don't drink. Don't smoke. You know, it's like that's all they know. But I, anyway, ant music. I am. Start there. I know. <laughs> Start there. Uh, you touched on it. You have a lot of projects that you've been working on over the years. Uh, Beautiful assassins of One Thousand Faces, Most Dangerous Race. Yeah. I, it seems like you've always got stuff percolating. I, I do. I do. I, I've kind of settled for the time being on Of A Thousand Faces because that's the closest thing to a solo project. Mm -hmm. So it, it's music that I, I write or that I write in collaboration with people. And I have different singers. And I, I've been working really hard on it for many years. I'm just slow. Um, but you got things distracting you, like I got, being I, on tour and recording albums. And, and, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And I, it just it, it drives my... I, 
I'm driven crazy about it by it. My wife's driven, my whole family's driven crazy. <laughs> I but I am getting there, and uh, it would be worth mentioning that I'm hoping that come May or so that I'll put it like a full, I've, I've put some things out, some singles and stuff, but by by May I should have a full length record with some exciting guests. You know some people. I know some people. Even people I don't know are singing on it. Everyone loves Matt Walker. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can find someone who doesn't. And then you should interview them. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, you have a great reputation. I mean, you're an exemplary player and a decent guy. I mean, that, that suited you pretty well. Mm. It's, it's worked I, out okay. I put on a good front. You, you do an exceptional <laughs> job, Matt Walker. All right. So, again, if you happen to be hearing this before the 12th, Saturday night, Metro, January 12th, Sons of the Silent Age playing scary monsters and super creeps in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That right there is a show. Right. Uh, looking ahead, we, so you're leaving town back with Morrissey? Yeah, I'm I'm back out with Morrissey. Back with Morrissey. Yeah. Maybe some cupcakes reunion fun in the future. More yeah. solo stuff on the way. Yeah. Uh, I'm exhausted just thinking about your life. I'm exhausted just living my life. <laughs> uh, thank you for doing this. I you approached this with some trepidation. I, th- I think you were concerned about how the whole interview in a car thing would work. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I just I, you know, with this show coming up, mm-hmm. and and also you know I. I just got home from a long South American tour mm-hmm. and then it was the holidays mm-hmm. and then the show and this morning I just thought I, I my brain was starting to seize up and I, I get was, it yeah and I was like I'm not sure that I can speak properly and do an interview but I'm glad that I called you <laughs> I'm so glad you did and I, I totally Instant get it came down I, on a much more micro level I remember when I traveled for business which is very different from being a touring musician but even if I would do like three different cities in a week I'd get to the point I'd get to that third airport I'm like what city am I in where do I need to be it's very disorienting yeah so for you to be in another country where English is not the primary language yeah. going from city to city I'm sure it's just it messes with you. It messes with you, and I, I, I still love it. I'm not. Of course, I do. I, I really do love it, and um, I don't take anything for granted. But that's not to say that when I come home, I don't feel a little bit, you know. Everyone's tired after discombobulated. Travel. I'm tired after road or, tripping to Indianapolis. Or as, as my son's new word, that I think he invented, confuzzled. I feel confuzzled. Which, uh, if you break that down, cone is with fuzzled. So you're with fuzzled. I like that. Uh-huh. If you, if you want to break it <laughs> uh, Kirkland Carney is presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. Matt Walker, you're a mensch. Ah, uh, thanks. <laughs>